Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. So if you want to, if you go to the Bible with you, please uh, feel free to open up to a, the the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, it's fine. The passage will be on the screen for us. Let's read God's word. So Ecclesiastes chapter three, in the first eleven verses. There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under the under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And he has also set eternity in the hearts, in human hearts. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Good morning, Southside. Uh, My name is Sam. It's great to be meeting with you this morning. And it's my privilege to take us through this part of God's Word. Um, If you are a kid here this morning and you've got an activity sheet in front of you, um, one thing you might like to do on that sheet uh, as we look at the book of Ecclesiastes is put a little star over the picture of the crown on your timeline, because that's the part of the Bible that we're looking at today, um, because these words come from from a time around King Solomon. Um, But for the rest of us, uh, and for all of us, how about we uh, spend some time now in, in prayer and ask that God might be with us as we unpack this part of his word. Let's pray together. Now, gracious Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this privilege we have to hear you speak to us this morning. Thank you that every time we read your word, you do speak and you speak into our lives. Father, there is so much in this passage that speaks into, into who we are and what life is about. So we pray this morning that as we unpack this part of your word, you would help us to draw near to you and delight in you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. The silly season. Isn't it a hectic time of year? It's, it's the time where everyone and everything starts to fill up and then empty out. Have you ever noticed that? Think about it. Your homes, they start to fill up with Christmas decorations. You put up your Christmas tree. It's an exciting time, isn't it? Have to decorate your house, make it look beautiful with, with tinsel and, and baubles or whatever you want to decorate your house with. You fill up your house with Christmas decorations. The shops, the shops fill up, don't they? 
the stock, it all fills up. They, they buy extra toys, they, they put all that extra stuff out there so that we would buy them. Um, but they also fill up with people. The car parks fill up. You can't get a park at Westfield. It took me half an hour the other day, this week, to try and get a car park at Westfield. It's ridiculous. We fill up good food. We fill up on good food, don't we? Our fridges fill up with food. How good is Christmas food? That's my favourite part of Christmas. It's the food. It's so good. And the other thing that fills up is our stockings. It starts to fill up with presents. Um, if you do stockings, otherwise it might be, maybe it's presents under your Christmas tree, they start to fill up. It's a time to fill up. But then, as soon as Christmas is over, everything empties out. The stockings are now empty. The food, it all disappears into our gut. You know where it goes after that. <laughs> the shops, shops have Boxing Day sales to get rid of all of that extra stock they have. They empty it out. And our homes, we empty our homes out of the decorations that we once put up. We pack them into boxes, chuck them in the back of the cupboard where they'll collect dust until the silly season returns again and we do it all over again. No wonder it's called the silly season. It's just a time to fill up and empty out. And what's it all for? Like, seriously, like if you were to take a step back from, from the meaning of Christmas and the significance of Christmas and just watch what people do in this time, you'd say the same thing. It's just a time for filling up and emptying out. Now, I saw this the other week. My, my parents came to visit us uh, the other week and they brought with them a, a whole bunch of presents uh, for us and the kids for birthdays and for Christmas. And as they were leaving, they, were, they said to us that they were excited to be going home with their car boot now empty. They had nothing to put in it, but they were just excited that the boot was now empty in the car. As exciting as it is to do the filling up at Christmas, it can be equally satisfying to also do the emptying out. But again, I ask, what's it all for? What's it all about? And it's not just the Christmas season. Like, why is, what's any season about? We've had, had to endure through COVID this year. What's that been about? Some of us losing our jobs, losing money. Some of us locked down and unable to visit our family. And all of us being locked away for a couple of months in our houses. And when we put the bigger picture in mind, why have we had to go through all this? What's it all about? The writer of Ecclesiastes, well, he asks the same question. What are the seasons of life all about? What's it all for? He opens in, in chapter 1 by describing how life and the seasons of life are, are like a breath. That life and the seasons, they don't hang around for long. Like our breath, they come and then go. In and then out. And this poem that we're looking at today in chapter 3 is meant to be read like this. It's, it's a breathe in, breathe out kind of poem. And he writes from chapter 3, verse 1, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, breathe in. And a time to die, breathe out. A time to plant, breathe in. And a time to uproot, breathe out. A time to kill, breathe in. And a time to heal, breathe out. 
a time to tear down, breathe in, and a time to build, breathe out. What he's capturing for us in this poem up to verse 8 is, is not only that the seasons of life come and go like our breath, but when they come, when a new season of life arrives, we have as much chance of holding on to it as we do our own breath. Holding on to the seasons of life is like trying to hold on to your breath. You, you can't do it, at least not for long. Eventually, it's got to go. And so it, it's as if it just vanishes like it was never there. Can you think of a time when that's been your experience? For me, it was our wedding day. For months, Lauren and I, we were in wedding season. Everything we did together was planned for that big day and all every, everyone ever talked to us about was how preparations were going for that big day. And when the day came, it was awesome. I loved our wedding. It was so good. But just like that, the wedding was over. The food was eaten, the guests went home, and the big day was over. And looking back, that wedding season for us came and went in and out of our lives like a breath. This time last year, we were all watching the news. But it wasn't for COVID-19 updates, but it was for updates on the bushfires. Do you remember that? It was huge news. And it was a time that was significant for all of us, a season that was significant for all of us. But, but looking back on it a year later, well, for most of us who weren't really affected by it, it just came and went in and out of our lives like a breath. And you know what? One day we'll probably look back on COVID and we'll say that it feels exact, the exact same, as if it just came and went in and out of our lives like a breath. And that's the experience of seasons that the writer of Ecclesiastes is talking about. They just come and go in and out of our lives like a breath. But if this is the picture of life, it sounds like a rip-off, doesn't it? I mean, I've got no problem with bushfire season and COVID coming and going like a breath. But why do the good seasons, why do the good seasons have to come and go so quickly? Why can't they stick around forever? Like Christmas. Now, wouldn't it be great if every day felt like Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve, you know what I'm talking about. To me, people generally seem more uh, happier and cheerier on Christmas Eve. Um, it's the season to be jolly, after all. Uh, and we're always excited for the next day, aren't we? Imagine if that just that feeling of Christmas Eve just was with us always. It's lasted forever. So if it feels so good, why does the Christmas season have to end? Why does it have to come and go? Why can't the good seasons stick around forever? Well, the writer in verse 1 reminds us that there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. When God created the world and set the sun and the moon and the stars in their place, he gave a time and season to everything. Which means every season we experience happens at exactly the time that God ordered it to happen. 
And because every season is part of the created world, God's in control of every season. And they come and go as He commands them to. They never come sooner or later than they should. And they never leave too early or stick around too long. Every activity has its season and every season has its time. As God ordered it from the moment He set the sun and the moon and the stars in place. Which means that God has already decided when we live and when we die. When we plant and when we uproot. When we kill and when we heal. When we go through a time of crying and through a time of laughing. When we go through a time of love and through a time of hate. And when we're faced with war and when we're faced with peace. God has given a time for everything. And so nothing happens outside His control. But how do we appreciate this and not just see it as a rip-off? Well, if we jump down to verse 11, chapter 3, verse 11, the writer tells us that not only is there a time for everything, but that God has made everything beautiful in its time. God has made everything beautiful in its time. Just stop and think about that for a second. He's saying that the timing of every season we experience in our lives is beautiful. When a new season comes, stays for a while and then goes, we're told here that the timing of it is beautiful. Now sometimes it can be easy to see the beauty of the season we're in. Lots of people love the sights and smells and sounds of the Christmas season. Weddings are a beautiful season. Bringing home a baby for the first time, it's beautiful. Sometimes it's easy to see the beauty of the season that we're in. But of course, bushfires, they don't feel beautiful when they're happening. And of course, seasons of war don't feel beautiful when they happen. And COVID, for a lot of us, has been ugly. So how are we meant to see the beauty of the season we're in when it feels ugly? And are we meant to just appreciate the sights and smells and sounds of the seasons, or is there more to it than that? Well, let's keep reading what verse 11 says, because the writer's got more to say. So he says that God has made everything beautiful in its time, and he's also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God's done from beginning to end. What the writer's wanting us to see here is that if if we want to see the beauty of the season we're in, it's not actually simply appreciating the sights, smells, and sounds of the season. At least not right away. No, it's, it's actually by living the way God made us. Living the way God made us, by living as though we really do have eternity set in our hearts. But what does that look like? Well, it's living with one eye on now and one eye on eternity. It's living with one eye on now and one eye on eternity. Because only then will we see the beauty of the season we're in, and only then will we understand the significance of the breath-like moments of life. Because think about it. If, if all we did was, was live by keeping both eyes on now, every season of life would feel meaningless. And I'll be the first to put up my hand to say that I'm, I'm guilty of doing this from time to time. It's putting all my hopes and dreams in the people and the things of this world, 
and trying to find satisfaction in the here and the now, only to be left disappointed and frustrated. Because that's what happens. When we just keep both eyes on now, the seasons end up feeling meaningless. Because they just come and go. In and out of our lives, we have no control over it, like a breath. They just come and go. And we're left feeling ripped off because we fail to see the eternal significance of what God is doing. But in saying that, keeping both eyes on eternity is not any better. It's kind of the life of a monk, right? Excluding yourself from the everyday and escaping to the mountains in the hopes to live closer to God and to start living eternity now. But if, this, if, if we live this way, keeping both eyes on eternity, we'll actually miss every beautiful thing that God is doing now. For He's made every season beautiful in its time. And he wants us to savour every season, even the hard ones, to see the beauty. But if both our eyes are on eternity, we'll miss that. So instead, we need to live the way we were made, with eternity in our hearts, with one eye on now and one eye on eternity. For only then will we understand the eternal significance of the breath-like moments of life. And only then will we allow these breath-like moments to shape us and mould us for the eternity that has been set before us. And what does that look like? Well, it's, it's living, delighting in God when a child is born and delighting in Him when a friend passes away. It's living, delighting in God through tears and delighting in Him through laughter. It's delighting in Him through a time of love and delighting in Him through a time of hate. It's living, delighting in Him when the world's at war, and delighting in Him when it's at peace. And this delighting in God, it doesn't come easy to any of us. It's really hard, really hard, to delight in God when someone we love dies. It's really hard to delight in God when we lose our job. It's really hard to delight in God when our kids frustrate us. It's really hard to delight in God. Living, delighting in God and and delighting in who He is doesn't come easy to any of us. But God knows that. He knows that none of us find it easy to delight in Him. He knows how bent and crooked and twisted our hearts have become because of sin. And the writer says in verse 10 that our experience of seasons feels like a burden from God because our sin, our wrongdoing, our rejection of God, it's frustrated God's creation. Our sins frustrated His creation and our sin's the reason that we all find it hard to delight in God. And God knows this. He knows our hearts. He made them after all. And the thing about our Maker is he's not the kind of God who just sets everything in place in the world and then walks away. Our world doesn't just tick along like a wound-up clock. No, God takes an active role in this world. From winter to spring, it's God who causes the disheveled and bent old tree to turn into the lush, blossoming paradise. 
It's God who holds the earth in its place as it orbits the sun and receives the right amount of heat and light to sustain life. It's God who sends the rain and it's God who holds it back. And we know our God's an active God because for a season He made Himself lower than the angels. He stepped down to us into time and space and became human like us through His Son, Jesus. All the glory of the one and only God wrapped in perfect humanity. In Jesus, heaven and earth collide. God sees how hard it is for us to, de- to live delighting in Him throughout the season, so He came to us and became one of us to show us how we're meant to live with one eye on now and one eye on eternity. At every moment of Jesus' life, He shows us how to perfectly delight in God as he lives in a relationship with and for the glory of his heavenly Father. He shows us how it is that we can love God and be loved by God through every season. But more than that, Jesus not only shows us how to live with God and how to live delighting in him, but he makes it possible for us to live this way too. And he does it by swapping places with us. He allows his earthly life to become but a breath so that our lives can be transformed and become eternal like his. He experienced the seasons, the breath-like moments with us. He lived in Israel at a time when the Roman Empire ruled. So he experienced seasons of hate. He experienced seasons of peace. He witnessed death as well as life. He celebrated festivals with people he walked with people he ate with people and though he was there in eternity with god when the world was made he lived on earth experiencing the shiver of winter and the sweat of summer he saw the changing shape of the moon and the tides come and go in every way he lived as one of us yet showed us how to delight in God through it all. By drawing near to God in good times and in bad. And he experienced it all to not only show us how to live with God and live delighting in God through every season, but to make it possible for us to live this way too. And there was no season more ugly for Jesus than his season of death. Crucified, nailed to a cross in execution shamed and spat on. Yet it's the one season talked about the most that shows how Jesus lived even in that moment with one eye on now and one eye on eternity. The writer of of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus lived that season with one eye on now, his death, And with one eye on eternity, the joy of spending eternity delighting in his Father alongside those he came to save. That's the forever that he's won for you if your trust and your hope is in him. Because although Jesus is without sin, he dies to swap place with us. He dies our death that we deserve for our sin. And in his death, he removes our sin, removes the thing that makes it hard for us to, to delight in God. 
He fixes the relationship we broke. He actively steps in to, lo- to help us love and delight in God. And by removing our sin, allows us to live delighting in God's goodness forever. And the timing of it was perfect and beautiful. While we were lost, He came and found us. While we were in darkness, He came and gave us light. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were dead in our sin, He came and gave us life, His life. At just the right time, God actively made a way for our relationship with Him to be restored forever through Jesus stepping into time and space with us and allowing his life to become just a breath so that by trusting in his death and resurrection, our lives can be transformed and become eternal like his. But how does knowing this truth help us for the season we're in? Well, we've seen that in every season, God wants us to live the way we were made with one eye on now and one eye on eternity. And he wants us to do this by drawing near to him in every season, good or ugly, which Jesus made possible for us by coming down to us. But what does that look like? During COVID lockdown this year, I felt my relationship with God becoming more and more distant because I I found it hard, really hard, to draw near to him in that season. So one day, I, I'm, I was listening to a Christian podcast and I came across this question and, and it absolutely changed the way I thought about my relationship with God. Here's what it said. Jesus is a real person who delights to be with you. How can you let him know that you delight to be with him? Jesus is a real person who delights to be with you, how can you let him know that you delight to be with him? We're going to go through seasons that feel unstable, chaotic, messy, ugly, and at times scary. But how good is it that God doesn't leave us to face these seasons alone? So in every season, we can, we can delight in Jesus, in the one who for a season allowed his life to become a breath. Because he's made it possible for us to face the seasons, but not alone. Not face them alone, but to face them with the God who's stable and secure and sure. He's made it possible for us to face the seasons with the God who gave the sun and moon and stars their place and named every season and who's made everything beautiful in its time. And he's the one who experienced the season of death in our place, making it possible for us to experience the eternity that we were made for, delighting forever in him. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for the seasons of life. Even though they come and go like a breath, thank you that you remain forever. 
and that we can always draw near to you by delighting in who you are and what you've done for us. Thank you for sending your Son to us to live among us as one of us. Thank you that he perfectly shows us how to live, delighting in you through every season. Thank you that he swapped places with us in death and endured the cross for us so that it's now possible for us to delight in you as our maker and as our father. Forgive us, Lord, for our sins that frustrate this world and blind us from seeing your beauty in every moment. Help us to live every season the way we were made, with one eye on now and one eye on eternity. And as we do, help us to delight in you more and more. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.